0: Welcome, everybody, to Just End the Show, your favorite Mike White Stan podcast. Welcome to the Stancast, everybody. Mike White is not in witness protection. He's real, and he's spectacular. Mike White is real, and he's one bad motherfucker. <laughs> he
1: probably has a wallet that, says, that calls him a bad motherfucker. Let's admit it. We gotta love it. I think we should start the podcast by just telling the audience that we are absolutely now demonstrably the best team in the AFC. We did it. <laughs> Congratulations And that everything I have ever Predicted on the show is incorrect Thank you folks it's been a great podcast have a good
0: night The number one podcast about the number one team That's right We have won
1: against the two best teams The te- the current best AFC team we beat And we just knocked off the number one AFC team So yeah we just want to welcome you back To the uh, number one podcast <laughs> Covering the number one team <laughs> <laughs>
0: So this game, 34-31 to 31 Jets was the final. The Jets not only scored seven points in the first quarter, the first points in the first quarter all year that happened, they scored 17 in the fourth. They were losing this game by double digits with like seven minutes to go, and they came back to beat the Cincinnati Bengals and win. This game was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, Cincinnati.com's headline says Cincinnati Bengals disappointing loss to the Jets. I feel like that's fake news.
0: Yeah, I didn't see a disappointing loss to the Jets. I,
1: I wasn't dis- I wasn't disappointed at all.
0: Am I going to have to wear an OJ Simpson jersey every single week for the rest of the year? Because I will do it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's true. We should start with that. You, uh, We would like to announce the GoFundMe to make Seth a permanent Buffalo Bill season ticket holder. So, you know, there's a lot of causes in the world you know, to donate money to. But I think this is by far the most important one to buy the Jets more wins and buy Seth Buffalo Bills tickets and merchandise. Should we
0: explain that to our listeners (laughs) that you were at the Bills game? Yeah. So I, I missed this game live for good reason. I was visiting some friends in Buffalo and our Sunday activity was to go see the Bills Dolphins game. I contended that he was not cheating on the Jets to buy a Buffalo Bills jersey if I was really buying a Halloween costume, so I bought O.J. Simpson. By the way, good football juju for the Bills. O.J. was in the building. You told he me that. He was spotted at the Anchor Bar the night before, and he was in one of the suites for the game. Somebody told me as I was walking up to my seat with my O.J. jersey on that, like they were like, hey, the juice is here.
1: Did you get? Was there any negative reaction to it? Like, did people bring it up to you at all?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I had uh, two people acknowledge it, and it was all positive. Wow. I had a got one guy in the parking lot as I was online to get in. we were like, "Oh, O.J. Simpson." And he just dabbed me up. He was like, "The juice is loose. Let's go." Oh, really? so if you're in case you're wondering if, if O.J. Simpson is still beloved in Buffalo, he is.
1: He is still beloved. Wow. And he's just at the straight up at the game, did they show him on the jumbotron?
0: They did not show him on the jumbotron. I don't think the t- the organization embraces him in that way, yeah, um, listen, Buffalo is always a sanctuary city for o j Simpson. He can't go to l a He said he's afraid of running into his wife's killer. If he hangs out in Los Angeles, right? You don't want him to run into that guy, right? Yeah, who knows what that guy will do.
1: Of course. Yeah, that's uh, naturally. <laughs> oh <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has been canceled. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Right as we're supposed to be celebrating a victory.
0: In the Bill's ring of honor, the retired numbers, he's still there. Is he really? Yeah, 32 Simpson. Wow. Yeah, it's still there. What you do off the field does not affect how great of a running back you were. So
1: they just, They're not budging on that. Well, anyway, you can either wear the jersey or not, but uh, the GoFundMe for um, Seth's season ticket fund, although I don't know, does that mean you have to go to see them on the road, too? That could get really
0: pricey. Yeah, with the, that sounds expensive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if the Jets could just maybe like sign O.J. Simpson as like a running backs coach or something, <laughs> I think that would probably be the energy we need. I think that would take care of it. He's the mentor that, that a young Michael Carter needs, really.
1: Yes, it's a, that's the role model you want to have. You know, it's like having Flacco back there. It's the same thing.
0: No, it's not. Being found not guilty in a court of law is almost the same as not doing it. <laughs> so who's to say? The Jets played two, and they fucking won. Oh, my God. What a game. a A double-digit comeback victory against a good Cincinnati Bengals team led by backup quarterback Mike White. You cannot make this stuff up. You can't. <laughs>
1: I was planning on watching the Jets game up until it was a runaway and then just turning on the red zone, learning from the lesson of trying to get all the way through last week's game. I'm like, if it's going to be like that again, I'm going to bail on it. And pretty much immediately I was like, nope, this is the only game I'm watching, no matter what happens from here on out. They elect to receive the kickoff. Mike White gets it and he is immediately throwing BBs down the field and the offense is spread out and Michael Carter is running and I'm like, what? What? Ha- who? What? What is this team? What have they done with the Jets? What, what's going on? It's an elaborate Halloween costume. Like they're all they're all in costume as different people. <laughs> it's crazy. I I, could, I couldn't believe what I was seeing right off the bat.
0: Right. It's like that uh that Will Forte Saturday Night live sketch. He's like, I'm a sex offender uh, for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike LaFleur was like, I'm an offensive coordinator uh, yeah. for Halloween. For and we'll Halloween. see what we get out of him next week. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Mike LaFleur looking good up in the he was up in the booth as opposed to being on the sideline and he looks uh, he looks more professional. He looks like he graduated from tenth grade or something. So
0: I'm like Is that what made the difference? Was it was it up in the booth, Mike LaFleur, as opposed to sideline Mike LaFleur? Is that why we got such a better performance out of him?
1: I have a long list of people to apologize to, and, and Mike LaFleur is, is on it, but I'm going to start with Mike White. I said that him starting, I think I described him starting over Joe Flacco as ridiculous. Turns out I'm ridiculous.
0: I can't believe you didn't believe in Mike White. That is so...
1: <laughs> I didn't see the signs of the uh, no other games that he started, you know? I just I couldn't see it. I also, yeah, I said he was going to be checking down on every single down. That wasn't happening at all. He's immediately just a gunslinger. Like you were saying, not even gunslinger, not even playmaker, just, um, or maybe you were saying that before we started, but he is just finding dudes. He is just, he knows exactly where the ball's going. Um, These pre-snap reads, you can clearly see he just absolutely knows where he's going to. Kind of, to be honest, not trying to throw shade on Zach right away, but just not the things that we had been seeing with Zach and the offense prior to this, where it did seem like there was, you know, the whole boring football conversation happening with Zach and the whole sort of should he be checking down, is he trying to rely too much on the playmaking thing? And Mike White came in and it was the exact opposite type of football. It was this quick, quick snap to pass. He know he, the field was spread out. He knew exactly what he's going to do. The offense we talked about it being really boring or vanilla ice cream last week the offense just telegraphing these run plays and pass plays and right off the bat he was playing so well that it was opening the running game up for carter because they were able to move the ball downfield with the passing game and they could actually establish a run and they did and carter played amazingly he's the one person i don't have to apologize to he's the one man named mike on this team i am not apologizing to today because we've been on him from the word go but to the other two mikes I uh, I apologize, LaFleur and White. I, I was wrong about you both. The mics are here. The mics are here, Seth.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that's what stood out to me about the offense. Like, you, you talked about the word telegraphing last week. LaFleur just went out there and just called an unpredictable offense for the first time this year. They were calling play actions on first downs. They were running naked bootlegs on first down and they were like throwing passes yeah Yeah. crowder's throwing passes over in trick plays and a lot of those michael carter runs are on those quote-unquote pass downs right those second and longs that's when they do the shotgun runs they're throwing the ball when you expect them to run and they're running the ball when you expect them to throw that's like offensive coordinator 101 right yeah the offensive play calling was just so far and beyond anything we've seen this year in terms of predictability or lack of predictability we've seen a lot of indecisiveness from Zach this year and you don't want to get on him too much for that as a rookie but Mike White the ball's in his hand the ball's out of his hand the Bengals brought some decent pressure in this game I thought but they really I I mean Mike White was just getting rid of the ball so quickly that their pass rush didn't have much of a chance uh Corey Davis missed this game due to injury but the Jets have enough receiver depth it's the one position they have a ton of depth that that it didn't seem to matter. We've got a couple of Denzel Mims catches in this game. Elijah Moore got into the act.
1: Oh, and he dropped that. He dropped that touchdown, and I was like, "Come on, just for the podcast, Denzel, haul. That, you gotta haul that in, right? We're trying to help you out here, on just to end the show." Yeah, but yes, I'm glad to see him out there.
0: Yeah. I, I'll, so Elijah Moore had six catches. Jameson Crowder had eight. The leading receiver, Michael Carter, with nine, and then out of the backfield, Ty Johnson added another five. So it wasn't that Mike White wasn't checking the ball down. He was just making the right call. He's looking for Crowder for 10 yards. Okay, it's not there. Let me give it to Ty Johnson. Let me give it to Michael Carter. He consistently got the ball out quickly and got the ball out to the open man, which was, it sounds so simple, but it was honestly just so refreshing because it's something they haven't been able to do all year. When I go back and I watched Mike White's performance, obviously, statistically, the numbers kind of pop off the page. And especially when you consider those two interceptions he threw weren't even his fault, right? They were tip balls. Tip
1: so balls, the stats yeah.
0: really pop for Mike White. But it was almost like, you know, and almost like, you don't want to throw this out because you don't want to, like, put this kind of pressure or whammy on him. But that was like Brady asked, Like, Brady's made a Hall of Fame career out of throwing the ball quickly, throwing the ball accurately, and throwing it to the open guy before the pressure can get to him and checking it down when it needs to be checked down, right? Brady's made a whole career out of this. This was a very like Brady esque performance. He's not super athletic. He never had to be.
1: This is true. Yeah. I mean it's uh I I'm being uh cautious with any kind of comparisons
0: like that right out of the gate. But Yeah, I'm not saying he is Tom Brady. I'm just saying this was a Brady esque game.
1: Nope, that's on the record. The people heard it. It's out there now. He's nailed to a tree. His name's Seth, and go to his GoFundMe. No. Yeah, I I mean, totally agree with the playmaking aspect of it. We're looking at the games that Zach, or the game Zach won, and then the games that Zach has played well. Everything we're talking about is the ceiling on his playmaking, and is he almost relying too much on that, or is the offense not built correctly right now it's in it especially in that Denver game but also obviously in the New England blowout also it just felt like nothing on the offense was clicking you know everything was they were coming out it was constantly these three and outs in the first quarter especially and with this offense I mean I'm always nervous because I don't actually understand how like the behind the scenes things work on being a professional football team obviously I know that Mike White went into the year as the backup I'm sure that there is a d you know, there is a built in backup contingency plan. There's certain plays that he's running, you know, in, in training camp or these preseason games, although they still had they had other quarterbacks playing too. But we saw with the Saints this week, right, where Jameis goes down and Trevor Simeon comes in and I'm live betting against them and having Trevor Simeon flashbacks, but <laughs> you know, he was serviceable enough to pull out that game. And I think that that has to do, that comes down to coaching and how prepared these guys are and whatever sort of sequences they have in mind and drawn up and all of that. But kind of taking all of that out of it, like he just played really well. And it wasn't like he had two drives and then you could tell they were just out of plays, you know? He was still be able to make plays. He's still making plays down the stretch. The picks, like you say, those were deflected passes. There were a few deflected passes throughout the day, too, and I think at least one more of them could have been picked, so that's a little bit of a concern. But in terms of his play, I mean, it was spectacular, and I just have
0: to say Mike White, he's real, and he's
1: spectacular, as they
0: would say on Seinfeld. Right, Like not only does he exist, he's that dude. It almost makes you wonder how much Zach was holding them back offensively, and I don't mean that as a dig at Zach, I just mean as a rookie quarterback, you know, sometimes they've got the training wheels on, right, in terms of the playbook, they want to keep it simple for him, they want to keep it to things that he likes, having a veteran, a veteran drafted in 2018, probably allowed them to open up the playbook a little bit, so they're calling things that... They, they have so many more plays to go to in the first place. Like you said, it's not just a couple of drives worth of plays and then they're done. They he, they can use the whole playbook with a veteran like Mike White, who's not going to be playing with training wheels like Zach Wilson. Like I said, it's not really on Zach, but boy, having a veteran quarterback to open up this offense. And I'll tell you what, this whole rise of Mike White narrative, this is an absolute perfect storm for the Jets. They, he can do no wrong. Option A, he's incredible. He does this every week congratulations we just found our franchise quarterback the guy was drafted in 2018 he's not old he's just inexperienced if you know he plays kind of like this the next couple games and they go back to Zach Wilson eventually that's fine we're not going anywhere this year and it was probably like I said I think it's good for Zach to sit and watch somebody else so no harm no foul there let's say we play Mike White the rest of the year again maybe Zach should have a redshirt season right that's not the end of the world or you put him in, you know, the last few weeks to, to to you know see what he's learned, let him develop a little bit. This is honestly a perfect storm for them if Mike White is playing well.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I think obviously this Colts game is going to be a big thing for for Mike White. I think if he comes out and the shine is off the apple, and I'm not saying the bar for him now is throwing 400 yards a game, but if he looks more like a just normal serviceable backup, then that's also great. To actually have a good serviceable backup on the team. As far as I've read, Wilson could come back to play Buffalo the week after that, but I think if he plays well, if Wegg plays well against the Colts, then I think it's it would might be within the team's interest to to hold Zach off for another week. So it's really gonna hinge on what happens in the Colts game. I mean, if 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 it all comes tumbling down and he just looks like the Mike White we were kind of expecting to get in this game, then I wouldn't be surprised if they uh uh put Zach in whenever he's available but um i would be pretty surprised if the team sat him for the uh sat Zach for the rest of the year, and yeah, I'm not even saying I'm necessarily for or against it, obviously, we still haven't seen a lot of Mike White, we've just seen this one game, but i I'd be pretty surprised just because obviously you'd think you want to continue to kind of Zach's development, like you said about opening up the playbook i mean. I think that hopefully you you want some of that to translate to when Zach can come back in, you know, obviously I think that these two styles of play between the two quarterbacks are a lot different, but um, to to even just takes parts of what the offensive plan was against the Bengals and keep those moving forward. I think that if he can get some of that, you know, a little bit of both worlds, like where he can get a little bit of quick passing and, and, and then you still have the ceiling, like the playmaking and the Mahomes kind of stuff that they drafted him for. Man, I don't know. They they could actually be kind of good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the flaws in Zach's game or Mike White's strength, right? Accuracy and NFL level quick decision making. By the way, accuracy and decision making... They travel well and they play in the NFL no matter what. Yeah. You don't have to have a freakish athlete to have a good quarterback. So
1: what's the most Jets way possible this goes poorly? Is it is it just is it just white just having a terrible game against the Colts? Or is it like some like really embarrassing public
0: like quarterback controversy or something that seems like it's in the cards? Well, that's why I was saying this is such a perfect storm for the Jets because there's almost I, – I say this naively as a Jets fan. But there's almost <laughs> no way this can go south because if Mike White goes out there next week and he stinks it up against the Colts, okay, who cares? We're in the same place we were two weeks ago. Yeah, That this guy's – maybe he could be a serviceable backup. Maybe he's not. Who knows? Who And who cares, frankly? If he's good, that's even better. If he's terrible – then that's fine. I mean, there's really no way Mike White could ruin this. If he gets injured, then we just put Joe Flacco in until Zach gets back. Who cares? So uh, assuming that Flacco is ready to go as the backup next week, I know he was late getting to New York and didn't have a lot of practice time. So they actually dressed Josh Johnson, who actually had to play a few downs in this game. I think Josh Johnson had to play one series, right?
1: Yeah, there was a scary moment where Josh Johnson was out there, and they—I think he, by the entire time he was on the field, they were just listing other teams he's played for and other leagues he's been in. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, and now he's out of here.
0: Yeah, the well-traveled Josh Johnson. I want to take a quick break, and I want to talk about the defense in this game. <laughs> So considering the Jets defense gave up 31 points, I think they actually had a pretty good game overall when you go back and watch this one, especially on Jamar Chase, who we talked about last episode, who's running with this guy, who's running with this guy. Jamar Chase finished this game with three catches for 32 yards. He had that touchdown at the end, but I had to say Brandon Echols was all over him in this game. Bryce Hall had another good game. I noticed they do that kind of that Seahawks thing where they don't switch sides. It looks like Brandon Nichols always plays the right and Bryce Hall always plays the left. So there's no one player that's following Jamar Chase around. But I think both of them did a pretty good job on him on the outside. You know, Michael Carter the second has been consistent all year at the nickel. This was a pretty good game for this Jets secondary. They got Ashton Davis back healthy, which helped. They have Marcus May back in this game, which I'm sure helped. Um but overall as a unit I thought that secondary was really good and the pass rush was pretty impressive today. We got some good play out of Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins in the middle, and of course the absolute game changer play on the outside by Shaq Lawson.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. The secondary thing especially was really surprising. I keep I kept having it saying over and over like why are teams not, like, exploiting the Jets' secondary more and more? And, uh, you know, I think in games past it had been because the linebacker play and the injuries had made it in such a way that, you know, they teams didn't really need to do that. They could just run screen plays all over the Jets and nobody was making tackles, you know. And I couldn't agree more about Eccles. I mean, we asked that question, who's going to run with, with Jamar? And I... At that time, I would not have said Brandon Eccles, and here we are. He had an amazing game. I think we've seen it at least a little bit from Hall, who was also really good uh, throughout the year. But Eccles, that was that was an impressive performance. Um, Ashton Davis, um, I would say he kind of didn't have a good game. He was pretty shaky. There was a couple... Um, I know he got burned on one of the one of the really big plays for for the Bengals. Maybe he was like the only downside, but yeah, I agree with the overall the defensive performance. Giving up the points is is one thing, but we're talking about a team that is really good <laughs> offensively uh compared to even some of the teams that the Jets have played so far. So, it's crazy to think the difference from one game to the next. I mean, the the play against the Patriots was just abysmal from the word go. And granted it seemed like that was the Bill Belichick pulling out the kitchen sink, doing anything he can to screw over the Jets. A classic Bill move. But I wonder how much of this, uh, even though I always hesitate to do this kind of thing, but how much of it is just mental with this defense and just that they kind of went into this game like, no, you know, the kind of classic, nobody's given us a shot in this. Like, everybody's got us written off for dead. Let Like, let's actually just go for it. And, yeah, they found, they found a way to come up with key stops when they needed them. You know, and that's uh, that's the name of the game right there, including at the end of the game when uh, Cincinnati had to punt back to the Jets. I was I couldn't believe that. I was like, they're not even going to go for it on fourth down. And then the Jets almost tried to they almost tried to lose it. And uh, we, we love Michael Carter to death on this podcast. Michael, just one really small adjustment, buddy. If you can run for a first down to win a game, please don't slide down. on we've, we've been hurt before, Michael. <laughs> we know it's your first year, but we've seen this movie before. Just please. Just, I love you. I love you, baby. But we just one more yard on that play. But yes, other than that. But anyway, yes. The, the Sorry. The defense. Yeah, they really stepped
0: up. So they they asked Rob Sala that after the game about this defense when you compare the Patriots week performance versus this performance, and I thought what Sala had to say was actually really telling. Uh, He said, listen, we're a young team. There's going to be weeks where we look like we're going to win the Super Bowl, and there's going to be weeks when we look like we don't even belong in an NFL football field, and he's right. That's what we've seen from the Jets this season. We've seen the Jacqueline Hyde. We've seen them come out of nowhere to beat the Titans and the Bengals of all teams, and then we've seen them be absolutely non-competitive against what you know I would consider some inferior teams. So yeah, that, this is the crapshoot that we get by running out the youngest team in the league. So you touched on this a little bit, but I just want to give kudos to the defense on a couple of those drives. The Jets had two huge red zone stops in this game. They had the one early that kept the game. Seven seven. Yeah. If you remember, so the it's third down and goal. The Bengals try a pass to Jamar Chase in the end zone, and Brandon Eccles just plays incredible tight man coverage. He actually hits Chase as he's going to catch the ball, so he forces an incompletion. That was and then beautiful. the next play, Quinn and Williams just demolishes the interior of that Bengals offensive line sacks Joe Burrow with one hand so just a dominant play by Quinn Williams on a fourth and goal Salah's going nuts on the sideline the fans that met life are into it that was incredible and then in the second quarter with the Jets down what could have been a 14 point deficit easily is only a 10 point deficit because of another good goal line stand by that defense I think Sheldon Rankins came up with a sack on that Uh, So they were putting good pressure on Joe Burrow the whole game. We even had a Jabari Zininga sighting. I wasn't sure he was still on the team. He came up with a sack. (laughs) So this team, at all levels, was absolutely getting after it. I think that, you know, obviously we saw how badly, and you talked about how badly the Jets linebacking core was abused by Josh McDaniels in New England. Um, Well, they had C.J. Mosley back for this game, and they had Jared Davis for his first game as a Jet, coming back so they had two starters of their three starters at linebacker remember this team plays a 4-3 under Salah so there's only three starting linebackers they having Mosley and Davis back obviously played a big role in this one no surprise that Mosley was their leading tackler with eight tackles Um, but just overall at all three levels uh, an impressive performance when you consider they gave up 31 points I would call that a low 31 points if that makes any sense
1: it does yeah or at least it does to me Uh, you know in weeks past here we've kind of talked about how them playing kind of above their level and, uh, to what degree do you kind of put that on Robert Sala's strategy? How do you kind of, uh, look at the way like the the fact the kind of things that we talk about that are kind of um that aren't scheme based that do seem sort of coachable they're swarming to the ball uh really trying to make plays like you said uh there was um not to the nearly to the extent of the Tennessee game but there was a pass rush that was at least decent for the Jets so i mean doing this podcast on a week to week basis is so funny because you just realize like how how much uh, stock we put in we put in this team because it you know coming out of the um Coming out of the New England game, my thought process was, like, maybe the defense has been actually, like, the defense is actually bad, and somehow they've just played well, and and now we're just finding out about this now. And watching this game, I'm like, no, I'm back to my original thought, which is that Salah deserves a lot of credit for not just the game plan, but also these, like, little intangible things that you're seeing them—you're seeing the Jets make defensive plays— This year that I just haven't seen in so long, even when they had really talented players, and we're seeing things from this Jets defense that I really, really think is promising. Especially again, considering how young everyone is, like it's still there's still a young team, and so I think it's seeing these positive signs and seeing them be able to hang with the best team in the AFC and help. You know, I I definitely agree with your point that it's a that it's a low thirty one somehow. I mean, they were you know, they were getting, what, 10 and a half points going into this game.
0: So I love it. You mentioned the word scheme, and we've complained about the Jets' schemes for the last three weeks. Yeah. And it seems to me, it almost, it seems pretty glaring, right? I'm not an NFL coach, but it seems like every time the Jets sit back in a zone, they get torched on these underneath routes, every time they play it safe. And every time they just, you know, kind of say, fuck it, let's try to run with these guys. Let's try to go man-to-man. I don't care if we, get, if we get out-talented, we get out-talented. Let's live with the results. They they show up when they do that. I mean, the Bengals, led by Jamar Chase, have arguably the deepest wide receiver group in the league, and they get shut down by Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter, and Javelin Gidry, just playing straight man-to-man. They beat Jamar Chase man-to-man, which I didn't even think you could do, based on what we've seen from Jamar Chase this year. So what does that tell you? If you're Rob Salah, like, listen, these kids can hang. The one thing they've got, they don't have experience, but the one thing they've got is speed. You can't teach speed. They can run with these guys on the outside if you give them a chance. So I thought this was an A-plus from a scheme perspective, from Salah defensively, just, you know, throwing caution to the win and, like, let's play man and, you know, let the chips fall where they may, not just sit back and try not to lose. Um, and then offensively, we already talked about, really, I I would give an A to Lafleur in this game just by calling an unpredictable offense. You actually didn't know what the Jets were going to do on any given down, which is something you couldn't say about at least the last, you know, four or five games.
1: Yeah. And I think with a lot of players on both sides of the ball, I think we're potentially seeing like the, in the Patriots game, it feels like we're we're seeing their floor. And in this game, it's like we're seeing their ceiling, you know? Yeah. And so you're probably thinking they're going to land, that some of these uh, players are going to land somewhere in between. But like... If you want to talk about uh, Michael, I mean, we already talked about Michael Carter a lot, but if we're talking about a guy with, like, a potentially really high ceiling coming out of this game, like, I I can't, we've talked him up pretty much every week, but I can't believe how well he's playing. And he he is catching passes, and he has, he, I think this, uh, again, he's got more than 100 combined yards for the second week in a row.
0: Over 170 total yards in this game he was their leading receiver with nine catches in addition to being their leading rusher so he's getting the touches and he's making guys miss at a crazy rate I think there was one play I think it was maybe a second and long they flip it underneath the Carter there's three bangles there he makes all three of them miss to get the first down it's incredible
1: yeah you mentioned his elusiveness that you know coming out of uh, coming out of college like it didn't seem like you know the the speed was something that was known, but I don't think it was seen like he was going to be this kind of like uncatchable, you know, and and be able to like make these make these plays and breaking tackles and and getting just forcing people to miss. It's it's uh, it's really exciting, and and I really think like the offensive game plan in general, having Mike White go out there and just start slinging it early on, I think that makes a huge difference going forward. It wasn't what we saw in the New England game where obviously you got Wilson in there, but. It's, uh you know, first down, run basically into the line, second down, run to the outside no, for no gain, and then Wilson's throwing an incomplete pass, and they're trotting back to the bench. Like, that's an offense that's scaring absolutely nobody, but when you have players spread out, and, ki- and kind of, to be honest, more of a way I thought that they would be playing with Wilson, having people spread out, run these these different routes. Obviously, again, different type of player than Wilson, but Mike White is was just making these reads, making these quick decisions, and then that allows player you know that allows Michael Carter to you know like you said you got the shotgun handoffs you can do you can start to do things to get the defense on their heels which prior to this game offensively particularly in the first half the defenses haven't been on their heels at all they've been coming right at him
0: it was easy to play defense against the New York Jets the last three weeks especially in that New England game for sure
1: and we were happy and we were we're happy with Carter's performance even in those games so when he has when you When you can mix things up and get these defensive coordinators like not sure what what you 're doing you know you 're not telegraphing things you 're actually and, and you can have a quarterback who's throwing uh, well and and you know uh, throwing accurately and efficiently, which is just crazy like that's which is just not something that we 've seen from Jets quarterbacks in my lifetime uh,
0: <laughs> yeah and i 'll tell you when 's the last time we saw it from a jets quarterback. Do you know the last time before Mike White this week that a Jets quarterback has thrown for over 400 yards? Do you know when the last time was?
1: They, I think they showed it. Was it Vinny Testaverde?
0: Yeah, it was Vinny Testaverde in 2021 yeah. <laughs> years ago. Since the last time a Jets quarterback threw 400 yards, that's how good of a day Mike White had.
1: Yeah, I was nine years old. There you go. That's the last time they showed that on the screen. I, I remember they were they were dapping up Vinny. I was like, oh man, memories. Yeah, but that's crazy. I mean, who would have thunk that, like, Mike White coming into this? We we haven't seen the guy start once, and it's just it's
0: just crazy. I still can't believe it. So the final line on Mike White was 37 for 45. They threw the ball 45 times. He threw it 45 times. 45 times. He was 37 for 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, and we talked about those two picks, which you could argue weren't even his fault. Woof. Let's take another break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about next week's matchup with the Colts. So it's hard after this Bengals game not to go into next week feeling optimistic, right? And we're going to have Matt Johnson on next week. Uh, Matt is the host of Colts Fan in Bills Land, so you can check that out also on the podcast Precinct. And we'll have him talk to us about Carson Wentz and what we see out of the Colts next week, but...
1: It's a crossover event.
0: Yeah, a, a massive podcast crossover event. <laughs> but yeah, so from what I've seen from Carson Wentz this year, and obviously from what we've seen of Carson Wentz's career, we all know that he's a guy who does not take care of the football. He's up and he's down, right? Carson Wentz will look like the MVP for two drives. His team will be up 14 nothing, and then he'll throw three picks in a quarter, and you're like, well, who the hell is this guy? This is true. So... You know, you you almost, with a defense as fast as the Jets, I believe, I'm about to pull a Simmons and get this wrong, I believe this game is in Indy, right? It's in the Dome, which means it's a fast track. You almost like the Jets on a fast track because it plays to their strengths as a team. It is in Indianapolis, confirmed. It is in Indianapolis, thank you. Okay, do you have the spread on this game in front of you, Kev? I'm curious to see what the Jets are getting. I'm assuming the Colts are favored at home. I'm assuming that, even though they just lost in overtime to a very good Titans team.
1: They, I believe it opened. I believe it opened at ten, which is straight up disrespect to Mike White, future MVP.
0: Oh boy, if if that's a ten point spread, that might be. Ooh, there's no such thing as free money with the Jets, is there? But you're almost tempted to just do a little sprinkling on the Jets money line, right? That's, they've got to be at least plus three hundred if they're getting ten points.
1: The only problem is that if you look up, uh, if you go to a dictionary and you look up the term "stay away." It says a Thursday night football game between the Colts and the Jets. <laughs> like this it, it, there's three just incredible variables in that sentence. Like Thursday
0: night, Colts and <laughs> Oh gosh, I forgot it was on Thursday.
1: Uh It's a Thursday night game. So right away,
0: but I mean,
1: I'm going to I'm going to take a peek at it because, you know, it's this is content, folks. We're in the content business.
0: And you know the Colts are mad after coming off that overtime loss, which they had the lead in a couple of times against Tennessee.
1: I am indeed seeing plus 10.5, New York Jets
0: plus 10.5 as of right now. Wow, I, I can't, am I insane? I kind of like the New York Jets plus 10.5. <laughs> and I I know week to week, like we've already discussed, you get absolutely no consistency out of this team, and that is what it is. I don't expect to get consistency out of Mike White either, by the way. I don't think Mike White's going to throw for – 400 yards next week against the Colts. Yeah. But if he can do anything close, like I said, I mean quick decision making and accuracy travels. It works in every stadium in the NFL. Yeah. So uh you know maybe they even have Corey Davis back so they're already deep at wide receiver and they might even have their number one back in. Oh man, I think 10 and a half is too many points. It's too many points. It's a lot of points. I mean,
1: um And you know what did we just see on Sunday or on uh, Monday night? Sorry, we just saw that the Giants hanging with the Chiefs on getting ten and a half. So uh, uh, it's possible, but but I would say I think like you touched on. I think the biggest thing is going to be. I I do think that that the Jets defense has the possibility to hang in there with the Colts offensively. I think the other side of the ball is going to be the most important thing because if we see a revert a reversion back to sort of the inability to move the ball uh, in the first half or just whatever, maybe the, the limited amount of tape out on Mike white is going to uh, bury him or something. But um, you know, the, if that starts to have, if that starts to go South, then um, as inconsistent as Carson Wentz is, I do think they, that we, we'd probably be looking at a loss on that. Uh, but if they can, I, I, I really think if they can uh, start early, uh, you know, get the ball moving early again, I, yeah, I would say that they, they should at least be able to hang in there with them. If they can hang in and beat the the Bengals, and the Titans, um, obviously in two different fashions. But if they can hang in with those teams, it it seems like this team has a lot of, uh, they got a lot of heart. (laughs) They got a lot of grit in them.
0: (laughs) The one thing I'll say in defense of the Colts and in defense of the spread is that they're different than the Bengals in their offensive strength. So the Bengals can obviously throw the ball on pretty much anybody with Burrow and their receiver depth. The Colts do things a little differently. They've got Taylor and Naheem Hines, and their strength is really... Their depth at running back, and that's something that has not been a strength of the Jets' defense. Just sort of in defense of the spread, this could be at the kind of game where they just get torched by Jonathan Taylor, similar to how they got torched, albeit in a win, by Derrick Henry. So maybe it's the Titans' formula. Right. Instead of this one. Yeah. Uh, maybe you hope you get one of the, a couple of those classic Carson Wentz turnovers and that's the path to victory. But the Jets do not force a lot of turnovers. That amazing play by Shaq Lawson this past week against the Bengals was also the Jets first interception of the season. Yes. Yeah. So they're not a defense as much as we've praised them that generates takeaways. I think that's probably the logic here. It's Colts at home. Colts on the fuck you tour after the loss uh, Too too much praise being heaped on Mike White. And you know their offensive strengths really kind of match up well with the Jets' defensive weaknesses. But man, I mean, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore on a fast track—doesn't that just sound tempting? I, I kind of hope they find a way to dial up a, a couple of deep ones to Moore and Denzel Mims on that that fast track in Indy. I think that could be really something. Oh man,
1: yeah, I think the uh, the Tennessee path does seem. You're you're that's a good that's a really good point because. Um, yeah, the, the path to, to victory might have to be for the jets might have to be more along those lines. And those lines did, um, involve some, some Zach Wilson heroics that I'm not sure we know at this point that Mike White is capable of, but like you just said, the decision-making and, and accurate and efficient passing is something that's going to travel well and something that can be really, you know, that could potentially lead the Jets to a victory here. I mean, I think, I think that the ten and a half thing is probably like you're saying, based on almost also the narrative that, well, they're going to come off, you know, they're, they're, um, uh, you know, the cults are really looking for it. The kind of hungry <laughs> hungry dogs run faster theory about yeah. the cults are looking for it, the Jets are are sleeping on it. But not again, in this totally kind of different situation in a lot of ways. But that was also the logic on uh giving the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt against the Giants in that game, and there is absolutely uh and they, they proved that, that was ab- that you absolutely should have taken the ten and a half points. So I'm going to stay away because I can't bet on Thursday Night Football,
0: but... <laughs> yeah, you, you've you've convinced me this is probably the stay-away of all stay It's <laughs> just based on the lack of consistency from the Jets this year and the floor ceilings on these two teams.
1: Yeah, and also, like, you are choosing to bet either Mike White or Carson Wentz. Like, you are willfully choosing that like, as as part of your life. But hey, coming out of Thursday, who knows? Maybe betting Mike White will be, like, the next big thing, the next big fad. You know?
0: Yeah, he's he's got to be a popular fantasy week after 400 yards, three touchdowns, right? He's got to be a popular fantasy. Yeah, Eddie, you got to figure 405 yards. How we're in the midst of the NFL bye week. Someone's adding Mike White to start next week. Somebody's got a quarterback on a bye in a 12 man league, and that's a real thing that's going to happen.
1: How did it's? I still can't believe it. Is this all a dream? Is do I have to re-record this? But I'm going to wake up and something's going to be different.
0: And it's 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 funny when we talk about White and there as opposed to Wilson. It does two things, right? I think it raises their floor and lowers their ceiling because you're not going to get those incredibly athletic plays that you know those wow plays you're going to get with Zach. So it lowers their ceiling, but Mike White does raise their floor. The offense I think can only be so bad with this (laughs) type of quarterback. Yeah, they can. As I say that, I'm sure the Jets will go out there and score three points on Thursday. But I feel like the floor is just is just raised when you've got a guy that just, in general, knows what he's doing, even if he's not a superior playmaker in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and again, you know, you don't want to do this whatever comparison. But like you said, like, a quarterback who shall remain nameless is is a guy who uh you know who played for the patriots i think and the buccaneers now uh you know he was a guy who was never the world's greatest playmaker in the league and 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 look at that so i mean yeah demonstrably that that can definitely be true and and definitely be possible i just think mike uh, white
0: was drafted a whole round above tom brady wasn't he <laughs>
1: that's right yeah he's he's got that he's got that going for him you know um so yeah i i i don't know the extent to again i i wish in some ways, I knew more about the the behind the scenes things with some of these teams because, like you say, the having NFL experience, even if it's not playing, to whatever degree that benefits you, coming out of this game, it obviously seems like you would say that it would. Flashing back to last week, I think I was saying like, well, if you have Flacco in there, I think that there's a possibility that the offense could operate better, and, and better, you know, than it had been with Zach, and we saw that unfold much more than I expected with Mike White so I still stand by kind of the original sentiment that yeah I think this team can in some way it is actually weirdly well equipped with the receiver depth and Michael Carter really showing up as a prominent uh, pass catcher as well as well as his elusiveness as a runner that uh it does bode well for somebody who is a little bit more of a straight across the board you know not a flashy playmaker type it do, it does seem like it's it's pretty conducive to the style of football we've seen from Mike White so I agree with your sentiment yeah it does it does I think at least particularly in the short term it does raise uh raise the floor
0: yeah I think it's safe to say that Mike White is somewhere between Tom Brady and Mike Glennon I think he's somewhere between those polls, and we'll see what we get week to week, and we'll see how long we get Mike White until Zach comes back if he plays well. Salah has certainly left that door open that Mike White could continue to play even with a healthy Zach Wilson on the roster, which, again, I'm not against because I think it's a pro-Zach Wilson development take to have him sit. So let the chips fall where they may. Maybe Mike White sinks, maybe he doesn't. And we're
1: the best team in the AFC, and now everyone knows that, and so we can just, uh, you know... We can just all, that's just science. You know, that's how science works. That's not an opinion thing.
0: It's the transitive property. And this team can beat any team in the NFL, not name the New England Patriots. <laughs> I noticed that you're wearing a New York Jets baseball cap and not a paper bag this week.
1: Yes, that's right. The bag actually is within uh, reaching distance, but I'm not reaching for it this week, am I? No. Not happening. It's all hats today. No bags. That's our rating. Two, two, two hats, zero bags.
0: <laughs> I give this game five caps. <laughs> five caps. Yes. Uh, if you're wondering why we haven't talked about the call, the personal foul at the end of the game to extend that game-winning drive for the Jets, that's because, um, listen, I got nothing to say about that. The The ref's call with the ref's call. Listen, no. I mean, we all know that's a garbage <laughs> call, right? That was a terrible personal foul call. Horrible call. Horrible. It benefited my team. Yeah. But just to be objective for a second, you almost feel for the Bengals because they would have gotten the Jets off the field down by three with what? There was a, at least a minute and a half to go. Plenty of time to get in field goal range to force overtime or more even. Yep. And the Bengals have uh, a right to to gripe about that one. That's as a defender, you're in a no-win situation. Once the offensive player lowers his head, that's it. It's it's game over for you. And there's, there's really nothing he could have done to avoid that penalty in my eyes.
1: Yeah. No, it, it was it was terrible. Um you have to try to be objective even though you're watching the game going, Oh my god, I can't believe I can't believe they called it, but you're also cheering that they that they for your team, but it's like you look at it and go, This is so this is such a broken system that they're trying to you know, they're trying to protect the players, which obviously you want those calls to be made, but this is the absolute worst version of that possible where he's clearly lowering his head into him. It's really bad. I, I'm just gonna like just just to totally ruin the whole objective vibe here. That Bengals catch towards the uh, towards the end zone there. That 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 grab seemed like at the ball hit the ground when they played the replay. There was no review of that, so they kind of got a touchdown off of a pass. I'm not totally sure was caught. So I'm just gonna throw that out there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And then especially coming off the heels of the Cole non touchdown touchdown
1: that too. Which didn't end up mattering, but still.
0: Right, it didn't end up mattering because Braxton Berrios went out and made almost an equally as impressive catch for a touchdown. Yeah. What's funny is that the call play live you figure is a sure touchdown, an incredible grab. And the Berrios catch live, I figured there's no chance. He's way out of bounds. And I was wrong on both of them. And that's why we need slow motion replay in the NFL.
1: <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was so devastating because it was so exciting what happened in the moment. And then just that stupid, like, if the ball moves afterwards. I, I It totally was not an incomplete pass. But the, the ref thing, it's like, it's going to come and go. And the Jets got burned by a terrible call in that Atlanta game. So let's all just, like, settle down on the, like, everything's fixed or whatever like let's calm down let's, let's calm down it was a bad call all right like we can have one we can have one go our way we can have one nice thing
0: well that's gonna do it for us here at just end the show enjoy the games next week everybody will be here back with matt johnston to talk about the jets and the indianapolis colts next week kevin take us out just end the show Just it